I want to tell you before we get started this morning. This morning's sermon is one of the most intense, it's one of the most important, and it's one of the most terrifying sermons that I will probably ever preach. And I particularly would ask that everybody that can read, from the youngest to the oldest, that you take out a Bible and you follow me along. I'm going to stay in just a few passages that we turn to this morning to make it as simple as I can, plus they are very intense passages. So I'm going to ask that you turn, again, young people in particular, Hebrews chapter 12. If you please turn there and we'll get started. This goes along with our sermon mini-series that we are talking about on the church. Continues up that same eternal life and death serious path that we started last week. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 22 to begin. The preceding verses, he's talked about how terrifying it was God's Old Testament people had this experience. But then he takes it up a notch, and he says this. Writer of Hebrews, Hebrews 12, beginning at verse 22. But you have come to Mount Zion and to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, to an innumerable company of angels, to the general assembly and church of the firstborn who are registered in heaven, to God, the judge of all, to the spirits of just men made perfect, to Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant, and to the blood of sprinkling that speaks better things than that of Abel. I want us to notice as we read that passage that those elements, are only separated by commas. I want us to notice that. In other words, this is a complete package deal. And that's the title of this morning's sermon. It's a package deal. We cannot pick and choose which of those elements we want or don't want and separate them from the rest of those elements. That's what we need to understand. This is not a spiritual smorgasbord of items. It's all or nothing. When you come to Christ Jesus through his blood, you automatically come to God. Part of the deal. You come into God's presence. That's part of the deal. You come into his son's church. That's part of the deal. You have your name recorded in the heavenly register, among several other things, according to that text. <coughs> I was once asked by a, a younger, newer convert, well, why is it after you're baptized that, for biblical reasons, that you have to attend just the church Christ? The point is, is that when you are biblically baptized, you're baptized into the church Christ. When you come to Christ, you are added to his church. That's part of the deal. 
And that brings us back to the one thing that, that this morning I need to emphasize again and again and again and again for the sake of this lesson. All of the blessings listed in Hebrews 12, 22, 23, and 24 really constitute just one complete, totally and absolutely inseparable and all-inclusive package. Just one. It's like, for example, you cannot separate whatsoever God, you cannot separate coming to God and coming to Christ. When you come to God, you come to Christ. That's inseparable. John 14, verse 6. What did Jesus say? He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you come to God, you come to Christ. Conversely, you cannot come to Christ without coming to God. That's inseparable. Jesus said, I and my Father are one, John 10 and verse 30. Jesus also said in John 14, 23, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word and my Father will love him and we will come to him and make our abode with him. You can't come to either God without Christ or Christ without God. It's a package, they're inseparable. You cannot divide them in the sense of whom you come to. You come to one, you come to the other. You cannot come to Jesus Christ and yet maintain your allegiance to the old covenant, Galatians 5 and verse 4, because Jesus Christ is the mediator of a new covenant, Hebrews 9, 15 through 17. When you come to Christ, you come to the new covenant. Can't separate the two. Those who do try wind up in a place that is not biblical. And finally, just as examples, you cannot come to Christ and have your name written in that heavenly register called the Lamb's Book of Life without at the same exact time becoming part of Christ's one New Testament church, his church, the assembly and church of the firstborn that we see right here in verse 23, the church which he bought with his blood, Acts 20 and verse 28. They're absolutely inseparable. It's all of them or none of them. If you have repented, if you have been baptized into Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, as scripture demands in places like Acts 2.38 and others, then you have been washed in the blood, and you have been added by God, Acts 2 and verse 47, to his son's blood-bought group of saved people. The one church that we see in scripture, the one church that we see right here in this passage, the church of the firstborn, Jesus Christ. That's why we call it the church of Christ. And when you came to Christ and you were baptized into Christ, your name was registered in heaven. This very passage tells us that. You come to them all. They're all there. It's the Lamb's Book of Life, as it's called in other places. But, but, if you have not obeyed the gospel for the forgiveness of your sins, if you have not been baptized for the forgiveness of your sins, Acts 2 and verse 38, then you have not been added by God to his son's church, Acts 2, verse 47. Therefore, neither have you come to Christ, neither have you been covered by the blood, nor have you had your name registered in heaven. Why? Because it's a package 
deal. Hebrews 12, 22 to 24. It's all or nothing. It's complete. Again, I want to beg you to listen to and understand Hebrews 12, 22 through 24. All or nothing, the terms are inseparable. They're indivisible. You cannot have one without the other. If you come to one, you automatically come to them all. If you get one, you get them all. Sort of like a marriage. You ever heard somebody say, when you marry so-and-so, you marry the whole family, right? Some of you know what that means as well, right? You may not have heard it said, but you understand the concept. You get the whole family. Sort of the same way. It is the same way. When we talk about leaving any one element of that text, this is what we got to understand. This we got to help others understand. When you leave one element of this text behind, when you come to them all, when you come to one, you come to them all. When you leave one behind, you leave them all. It's a package deal. The idea of leaving one, leaving them all. Let me put it this way. When you leave this church building later on today, depending on how long-winded the preacher is, when you leave this church building later on today, you're going to leave the pews, the classrooms, the parking lot. Because when you leave the church building, you leave all those things, right? It's a package deal. You're not going to take the pews with you. You ain't going to take the parking lot with you. You ain't going to take the classrooms with you. It's a package deal. When you come to the church building, you come to all of those things. But when you leave, you leave them all behind. All or nothing. Now, when you understand that concept, it begins to get real scary. <coughs> Listen. You cannot have Jesus Christ without having his church. You cannot have Christ without his church any more than you can have God without Christ. Listen, how many times have you heard or seen somebody that's left the Lord's church? Well, that's all right, I still, Jesus, I, being Jesus, still got a relationship, and, and Jesus, I, 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 Jesus is with me and all that. Listen, when you leave the church of the firstborn, it's only separated by commas from God, from Christ, and from all those other things. It's a package deal. And people that say, well, I've still got Jesus, and Jesus is still with me. I've just left the church. No, not according to this text. They're all together. They're all part of the same thing. This is chilling. This is challenging. But the unchanging and terrifying truth in this very text, which all of our formerly once faithful brethren who have turned their backs and they have walked away from the Lord's church, they desperately need to know and understand the unity and the package that is contained here. When he says in verse 22, you have come to this and 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 this. And you came to Christ. You came to all these other things. You've got to understand the converse of that, the exact opposite of that, is when you leave one element, you leave this and 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 this. 
Hebrews 12, 24 is an absolutely and divinely assembled and inseparable package of blessings that one receives when they come to Christ. It is also an unchangeable scriptural truth that when you walk away from anyone, such as the assembly and church of the firstborn that we see right there, you also turn your back and snub your nose and walk away from each and every single element in that sentence. Let that sink in. Listen, you can't walk, it's not possible to walk away from God without walking away from Christ. Is that true? Yeah, it's true. God and Christ are both included there, which came to, right? But you also can't walk away from the church of the firstborn without walking away from God as well. Because God, as we sing, is in his church, isn't he? Isn't God within his faithful people? So when you walk away from his people, you walk away from God. It's a package deal. And we're going to spend the remainder of this lesson looking specifically at what those who have walked away from him and his church have truly walked away from. Number one, first off, stay right here in this text. This is so important. We're not turning to many texts this morning. First off, those who have walked away from the church, the general assembly, verse 23, and church, notice it's singular, of the firstborn. We know the firstborn is Christ from among the dead. Those who have walked away from that, those who came to that when they came to all these other things, when they walk away from that one, They've walked away from the very presence of God. People who think they can still have God in their lives and they're in God's presence who have walked away from his people have deceived themselves. This is a package deal. Did you come to his church separately from coming to God? No. Did you come to God separately from coming to his church? No. When you leave one behind, you leave them both behind. Notice verse 22. Look what it says. It says, But you have come to Mount Zion and to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem. That simply means or signifies the presence of God or the place where God dwells when it says that. We see this in other passages like Psalm 48, 1 through 3, Psalm 132, 13 and 14, and Revelation 14, 1. We see that to come to Mount Zion into the city of the living God is to come into his presence in those, in those texts. Today, God lives within his church. John 14, 19 through 24. So, if God lives amongst his faithful people. When you leave his people behind, you leave God behind. If God's presence is a part of what you came to when you came to Christ and became part of his church, and it was verse 23, it is also part of that same package that you forfeit or throw away when you walk away from the church, verse 23. This is just, this chills me. Not only have they walked away from the presence of God in their lives, they have surrendered their heavenly citizenship. When we come to Christ, we have a birthright as it were. We have an inheritance. We've talked about this before in other of these sermons about the church. But we walk away from our heavenly citizenship, our birthright, 
that we came to when we came to Christ, when we were born again of the water and the spirit in the first place. Philippians 3 and verse 20 talks more about that, what we, what we have. And so you forfeit that as well. And as if that wasn't enough, there's more. Keep in mind that some people have clung to and deceived themselves into thinking they took God with them when they left his people. Doesn't work that way according to this text. And they're probably going to be extremely angry, and I hope not, but some may be. When this is pointing it out, much the way Stephen's audience, when Stephen simply told them the truth in Acts 7, they, they, they gnashed their teeth at him. They stopped their ears, and they sought to shut him up, and they did. But this sermon this morning is preached in all the love I can muster. People have got to understand. What else do those walk away from who walk away from the Lord's church at the same time? Besides, if it wasn't enough, the presence of God in their heavenly citizenship, what else? Well, let's look at this text. What else does it say they walk away from? What else is part of that one same package deal? They came to all at once, and they forfeit when they walk away from any element of it. Number two, verse 22, they walk away from an innumerable company of angels according to verse 22. We could talk about verses that go along with this, like Hebrews 1.14 and Revelation 5, but I'm only going to turn to one. I'm going to ask that you keep your finger here for a minute and turn to Revelation 7. These people walk away from an innumerable company of angels, according to Hebrews. And according to Hebrews, uh, Revelation 7, beginning at verse 9, look what this great number of angels are doing. <clears throat> Revelation 7, verse 9, After these things I looked, and behold, a great multitude, which no one could number, of all nations, tribes, people, and tongues, standing before the throne and before the Lamb. They were clothed with white robes, with palm branches in their hands, and crying out with a loud voice, saying, Salvation belongs to our God, who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. But remember, these people have cast away the presence of God in their citizenship in heaven, but look at verse 11, the angels too. It says, all the angels stood around the throne and the elders, the four living creatures, fell on their faces before the throne and worshiped God saying, amen, blessing and glory and wisdom, thanksgiving and honor and power and might be to our God forever and ever. In that very text in Revelation 7, we see that when people, just like the Hebrews writer says, they came to these things, but they're all part of the same package and so it has to be. When people walk away from one element, they forfeit all of them. Please notice in verse 24 of Hebrews 12. When they came to Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant, in verse 24, they also became part of the general assembly and church of the firstborn who are registered in heaven, verse 23. They came to him as a package. But... When a person decides to totally reject, totally deny, totally walk away from that church, that assembly of the firstborn, they also withdraw their names in the Lamb's Book of Life. Their names are no longer registered in heaven because that all happened at once. And I know I'm beating this to death, but we've got to understand, we lose too many people that don't understand that when they walk away, from the church, what else they give up. 
They came to him as a package and their names were registered in heaven when they came to God and they came into his presence and they came to Christ, the mediator of a new covenant. They, they came to this innumerable amount of angels and they came to all of these blessings all at once. When you walk away from one part, you walk away from it all. And nobody can afford to have their names erased from the Lamb's book of life. Look with me in Revelation 20. Look at verse 10. Revelation 20, verses 10 through 15. It says in Revelation 20, verses 10 through 15, the devil who deceived them was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone where the beast and the false prophet are, and they will be tormented day and night forever and ever. Then I saw a great white throne and him who sat on it, from whose face the earth and heaven fled away and there was found no place for them. And I saw the dead, small and great, standing before God, and books were opened. And another book was opened, which is the book of life. Their names were registered in heaven. Remember that from Hebrews? This is the Lamb's book of life. And the dead were judged according to their works by the things which were written in the books. See, he gave up the dead who were in it. Death and Hades delivered up the dead who were in them. And they were judged, each one, according to his works. And death and Hades were cast into the lake of fire. That's that same lake of fire we read about up there in verse 10. This is the second death. And anyone not found written in the book of life is cast into that same lake of fire. When you come to Christ, you come to his blood, you come to the grace of God, and you, you're immersed for the forgiveness of your sins, and you've turned your life to God, you become added to the church, Acts 2 and verse 47, and your name is written in the Lamb's book of life in heaven. This is all part of this package. But when you walk away from any one element, you erase your own name from that book. Revelation 20, 10 through 15, can anybody afford not to have their name in the Lamb's book of life? As I alluded to earlier, when you came to Christ through his blood, Hebrews 12 and verse 24, you also came to God, the judge of all, and to the spirits of just men made perfect, verse 23. Did that at the same time. And when you choose to walk away from the assembly and church of the firstborn, verse 23, that is the church of Christ, You've walked away from none other than God himself going back into the world. Is it any wonder that the Apostle Peter would write what he did when he said in 2 Peter 2, 20 through 22, for if after they have escaped the pollutions of the world through the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, they are again entangled in them and overcome, the latter end is worse for them than the beginning. For it would have been better for them not to have known the way of righteousness than having known it to turn from the holy commandment delivered to them. But it has happened to them according to the true proverb, a dog returns to its own vomit, and a sow having washed returns to wallowing in the mire. We, as a people, have got to stop referring to people who have stopped coming to church as simply people that have stopped coming to church. Does that make sense? 
We have got to stop saying, well, so-and-so stopped attending. They no longer worship here. They stopped coming to church. Or they're just out of service. Where's that term in the Bible? I don't see out of service in the Bible. That's not a biblical term. We have got to understand that not only have these people stopped coming to church, but those who have walked away from the church have also walked away from every other item of Hebrews 12, 22 through 24, because it's a package deal. It came to them all at once. They're inseparable. You leave one, you leave them all. The presence of God in your life, the ministration of angels in your lives, however you want to interpret that, that's in Hebrews 12, 22 through 24. Having your name registered in the Lamb's book of life, that's another blessing. You lose the blessing of being surrounded and influenced and comforted and encouraged by the saints. Listen, if you are encouraged, by coming here and having brethren sing and being around brethren and getting that hug at the door and talking with your brethren, if that encourages you to just be part of this group, raise your hand. And when you walk away from Christ and you walk away from the blood and you walk away from salvation and you walk away from, just because you walk away from the church, it's all part of the same thing. You lose this encouragement that we're supposed to give each other as well. And you lose the grace, truth, and forgiveness of the Lord Jesus Christ as your mediator and his blood as your cleanser. Think about that. Hebrews chapter 12. You came to Jesus, verse 24, the mediator of the new covenant. You came to his blood. His blood's part of the package. When you walk away from the church of the firstborn, you walk away from Jesus being your mediator on the day of judgment, and you walk away from his blood. package deal. Where would you be without it? Do you know that those who no longer have Jesus as their mediator or his blood as their cleanser, do you know what that means? That means that on the day of judgment, they will no longer have the benefit of Jesus' sacrifice for their sins, but as it says in Hebrews 10, 27, a certain fearful expectation of judgment and fiery indignation which will devour the adversaries. People without the blood of Christ and, and those who have walked away from this package deal, walked away from it, they no longer have Christ's blood, they no longer have him as their mediator, and they will face God's full-blown wrath as his enemy. Because they have, as it says in Hebrews 10.29, trampled the Son of God underfoot and counted the blood of the covenant by which they were sanctified a common thing. They have insulted the Spirit of grace. This is what people do when they walk away. His church. They walk away from that whole thing. If you don't think so, look at the context wherein those last two comments occur. Back up to Hebrews 10. See, I told you it'd be easy to follow this morning. Just a couple of passages to actually turn to. Hebrews 10, look at the context of these verses, beginning at verse 24. It says there, let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another and so much more that, as you see the day approaching. 
in the continued flowing context. Do not snatch the next few verses out of connection to those that I just read. They go together. They're part of a package. It's in the context. Let us not be like our religious friends and neighbors who say in Acts chapter 16, verse 30, all the jailer had to do was believe because they take out the next few verses that explain that Paul told him what to believe and then he was baptized. We cannot disconnect verses 24 and 5 from what follows. We need to not forsake the assembling of ourselves together. 4, verse 26, if we sin willfully, after we have received the knowledge of the truth, there no longer remains a sacrifice for sins. Hmm, where have I heard that? But a certain fearful expectation of judgment and fiery indignation which will devour the adversaries. Anyone who rejected Moses' law dies without mercy on the testimony of two or three witnesses of how much more worse punishment, or of how much worse punishment. Do you suppose he will be thought worthy who has trampled the Son of God underfoot? Counted the blood of the covenant by which he was sanctified. This is talking to people that were Christians. A common thing and insulted the spirit of grace. For we know him who said, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. And again, the Lord will judge his people. They're adversaries now, but they were his people. Do you see that? They were sanctified by the blood. These are people who had that whole package. In Hebrews 12, 22 through 24. They no longer do. Why? Because they've sinned willfully. What sin have they committed that they've willfully done? They've walked away from the assembly. Verses 23 and 4 of Hebrews 10. There's a lot of passages, a lot of warnings in Hebrews. Let me give you a list if you're taking notes real quick. Hebrews 2, 1 through 3. We must not drift away. Hebrews 3, 5 through 19. Hebrews 4, 1 through 13. Hebrews 6, 4 through 12. Why do you think there's so many warnings in the book of Hebrews about not falling away, drifting away, turning away, running away, walking away, leaving the church, leaving the assembly? Why do you suppose there's so much of that in the book of Hebrews? I'm going to tell you why. Because the writer of Hebrews is dealing with a people that are about ready to walk away. They're about ready to surrender their Christianity. They're about ready to go back to their old religion. They're about ready to call it quits because when they met in the first century, they didn't have it like we got it. Life was hard. People come in there anytime and take their heads off. So a lot of them said, you know what? We're just, a, you, you don't see this in scripture, but if you read the whole book of Hebrews, you get this idea that he's, that he's talking to people that are just, they're right on the edge, man. They're just, they're just let's just give up on this whole church meeting assembly thing. Let's give up on our Christianity. That's why there's so many warnings in Hebrews. Because he was writing to some who were thinking they'd be better off if they stopped assembling with the church. They apparently didn't understand. But the writer of Hebrews is making it real clear in Hebrews 12, 22 through 24. You can't just walk away from the church and still think you got God because it's a package deal. You know, there are other places in Scripture that talk about this, only not in the same verbiage. For example, and I'm not going to turn to any of these, but stop and think about these. Stop and think about this. Y'all know these verses. The Church of Christ in Scripture is called the body of Christ. Several places. We all know that, right? The church is the body, the body is the church. If you don't know that, Colossians 1, 18, 24, or Ephesians 1, 22, and 3, there's a bunch of them. Church is the body, okay? Church of Christ is the body of Christ. Now, if you walk away from my body, I'm standing in front of you, we're shaking hands at the door. If you're walking away from my body, my physical body, are you walking away from my head too? 
Yeah, because my head's connected to my body. We're not going to sing the song, but my head's connected to my body, right? So if you walk away from my body, you walk away from the, my head, right? The church of Christ is the body of Christ over which Christ is head. So if you leave the body, you leave the head. If you leave the church, you leave the Christ. Same thing we've been talking about, only different phraseology. We know that the church of Christ is the bride of Christ. If you turn your back on the bride of Christ and you disdain the bride, I mean, guys, you who are married, don't answer me out loud, but how do you feel about it when somebody says, you know what, I can't stand your wife. I hate your wife. I don't want her in my presence, in my house. I don't ever want to see her face again. As a husband, you know what? If your wife ain't welcome, you ain't welcome. Is that fair? Don't a single guy who's married in this room say that's not fair. Church of Christ is the bride of Christ. And where you turn your back and walk away from the bride of Christ, you walk away from the bridegroom as well. All of these say the same thing. People who just stop coming to church, <clears throat> people who just stop coming to church stop doing a whole lot more. And they lose a whole lot more than they know. And somebody's got to tell them. Third one, Christ's church is also his kingdom. If you are deser a deserter from the kingdom, what do you do? If you're a deserter from the kingdom, what do you do? You make yourself an enemy of the king over that kingdom, don't you? You don't just lose, leave the kingdom and say, I don't want to be part of the kingdom. I don't want anything to do with the kingdom. I, I, I think the kingdom is horrible. I don't want to be around your subjects. Kingdom say, oh, that's, that's wonderful. I, I'm so glad. No. You don't want anything to do with his kingdom subjects. You're going to enrage the king. It's a package deal. No matter how you look at it, Hebrews 12, 22 through 24 shows us that if somebody rejects, deserts, and turns their back and walks away from the general assembly and church of the firstborn, verse 24, they have got to understand that they have lost everything when it comes to anything good that they came to when they came to Mount Zion, city of the living God, heavenly Jerusalem, angels, general assembly, God, Christ, his blood, the new covenant. To wrap up and stay open, please, to Hebrews 12. People who just stop coming to church do not just stop coming to church. If it, all they did would be a lot less intense. But that's not all they did. They've actually stopped being in and enjoying the presence of God in their lives no matter what they might convince themselves of because of Hebrews 12, 22 through 24 and some of the things we've talked about. Not only have they done that, they have surrendered their eternal citizenship in heaven. They have stopped benefiting from the ministration of angels, Hebrews 12, 22 through 24. They have single-handedly erased their own name from the Lamb's Book of Life. Their own names are no longer registered in heaven. 
They lose their place among the spirits of just men made perfect. They forfeit and surrender Jesus as their redeemer, mediator, and their advocate before God. They neutralize the blessings of Christ's blood on their behalf, and they insult and enrage the spirit of grace. They sever themselves from the Savior and head of the body when they separate themselves from the rest of the body. They make themselves an enemy of the King of Kings when they desert his kingdom. They infuriate the bridegroom. They tell him they want nothing to do with his bride. They surrender every single God-given, blood-bought element that they gained as a package when they came to Christ. And they turn their backs on and walk away from the General Assembly and Church of the Firstborn because it's a package deal. It's all or nothing. You can't have Christ without his church. You can't have his church without Christ. You can't have God without the blood. All of these things come together. Should have left my Bible open like I told you to leave yours open. I apologize if I get a little overwhelmed by this lesson, but we all know people who think in leaving the church they've just left the church. That's not what Scripture says. Let me finish up in Hebrews 12, verse 25 to 29. C, that you do not refuse him who speaks. For if they did not escape who refused him who spoke on earth, again going back to Moses in the preceding verses of this chapter, much more shall we not escape if we turn away from him who speaks from heaven. God spoke to us from heaven when he sent his only begotten son, the word made flesh from heaven, and also when the Holy Spirit had these words written down, God spoke from heaven and we cannot afford to refuse what he has told us. Whose voice, verse 26, then shook the earth, but now he has promised, saying, yet once more I will shake not only the earth, but also heaven. This yet once more indicates the removal of those things that are being shaken as of things that are made, the things the, that the things which cannot be shaken may remain. Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, understand what that means. The Lord's church, his kingdom over which he is king, his body over which he is head, his church over which he is head and Lord and Savior and Master, that kingdom will be here until the day God takes it home. 1 Corinthians 15, 24, Jesus will deliver up the kingdom to his Father, and then comes the end. The church is here to stay. The church is that group of people who have decided that they want to go to heaven. And they have followed teachings of scripture. They have followed what Jesus said and they're not going to forsake the assembly for anything. I will tell you right now if I were not a preacher I sat in those pews a number of years and over the course of that time people were people and people said some things that weren't all that pleasant but I'll tell you right now even if I weren't a preacher and even if I am there's nothing you could ever say to me, no matter how rotten, how nasty, how insulting, that is going to cause me 
to leave behind the church and everything that goes with it because my soul is more important than anything you could ever say. People have got to understand, when, well, I'm not going back to church because so-and-so said. Do you know what you're giving up? Do you have any clue what you just surrendered if you say I'm never going to be a part of the church ever again? Read Hebrews 12, 22 through 20. It's a passage. And you young people, you're going to have struggles and you're going to have things happen to you, but I am begging you and pleading with you to remember this lesson this morning. You cannot afford to forsake the assembly of the Lord's church. Because you walk away from that. You walk away from everything in those three verses. We're receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. Let us have grace by which you may serve God acceptably with reverence and godly fear. Our God is a consuming fire. I have two questions. Who do you need to go share this with? Number two, if you repented and obeyed the gospel and become a member of that one church, that one kingdom under the lordship and headship of the Lord Jesus Christ, do you trust him enough to do it his way? You've heard the gospel. You know he's Lord and Messiah. Are you willing to repent of your sins and confess him? Be baptized for the forgiveness of those sins and then live a faithful life that never leaves everything you came to when you came to him according to that passage? If you'd be baptized into Christ, or if you're somebody who's sitting there this morning saying, you know what? I know I need to go talk to so-and-so. I need to make them understand that they haven't just left the church. And you need the prayers of the saints to help you and strengthen you, because that's not an easy thing to do. We're ready to help you right now as we stand and sing.